from the Good Shepherd Library in Inwood, New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks on Air. It's where we meet musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome local musician and composer Lee Feldman. Lee was born in 1959 here in New York City. He's, a ba- he's based here in New York as a songwriter, pianist, singer, and composer. He has released five critically acclaimed albums under his own name, including Living It All Wrong, The Man in a Jupiter Hat, I've Forgotten Everything, album number four, Trying to Put the Things Together That Never Been Together Before, and Dr. Future. He has extensive training in classical piano, jazz piano, and composition. In spite of that, he writes music that has meaning and sticks to the brain. He lives in the Northwest Bronx with his wife and two children. And we are thrilled to welcome here today on Inwood Artworks On Air. So let's now listen to a track from Lee Feldman. It takes two to untangle. takes two to be together or apart it takes a lot more than i've got but i'm here i'm here in vietnam i used to ramble job can really stink, but I'm here, I'm here. Thank you for being with us here today. Welcome to What Artworks on Air. Thank you, Aaron. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's uh, you know I'm happy to be part of your community building in 
the upstate uh, New York City. <laughs> I always like to call it upstate Manhattan because upstate Manhattan, it's yes. silly. And you know what? Some people take umbrage to it because you know why? They have nothing else better to do but yeah. pick on something. No. Um, but it's I say it very tongue-in-cheek for those of you who are pretending to be offended somewhere. Um, you know, it's fun um, because I truly, when I first moved up here oh, 21 years ago, People are like, I mean, in what I think there was the subway maps that even go like, like on on the, <laughs> like when you're there, you know, there's cut off above like 110th Street or something. Yeah. So it was kind of like I, you know, I used to say also right below Canada is where yeah. I used to live. Yeah, yeah Which yeah. is actually true as well. But yeah. um, you know what? You know what I mean though, because you get across the water you to you, and you know, it's I do you're right. You're just literally a stone's throw across from Inwood. Yeah, I live in Riverdale. Uh, my family and I live in Riverdale. We lived there since 2013. And uh, yeah, before that, I was in Williamsburg for 27 years. Wow. Yeah. Just right across the river, both times, huh? Near the river, yeah. yeah we got, it's, it's good to be around the water. It's very it's good rejuvenating the, the water. It's good to be by the Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, before we get too far into things, yes. can you tell us what we just heard? Uh, that song is called It Takes Two to Untangle, and it's from my album, The Man in a Jupiter Hat. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, and that was, I believe, in 2000 you recorded that, right? Actually, it was recorded in 1998. It was released in 2000. Okay. Um, I don't know if you want to hear the whole story associated with that, but that's kind of an well, interesting... You, I, we like it behind the music, you know, behind the behind the, the life behind yeah, the song. Yeah, I'll give you a brief kind of history leading up yeah, to that album. Yeah, I mean, I... Um, uh, you know, uh, my first album was called Living It All Wrong. I put it out independently, and then it got signed by a small label called Pure Records, and that was in 1996. And it got so many good reviews that I got signed to Mercury Records. That's a big label at the time. It's a big label at the time. And I got signed in 1998, and uh, we recorded The Man in a Jupiter Hat in, I think, August of 98. And then um, in November of 98, uh, Mercury's parent company, Polygram, was bought by Edgar Bronfman of Seagram's fame, huh. and who was an aspiring songwriter himself, and he wanted to get into the music business. So he did. <laughs> Nothing worse than and, people with money uh, trying to do yeah, things. Yeah, he did, and he bought Polygram. And then, uh, you know, I didn't know whether I was dropped from the label. I didn't know what was happening. It took a year to even find out whether I was dropped or not. And then they said, yeah, you're dropped, and, um, uh, but you can put it out. So, I, so that's why it, I recorded I it in 98, but then I put it out on my own in 2000. They still own it. Uh, Universal still owns my first two albums, uh, Living It All Wrong and The Man in a Jupiter Hat. Gotcha. Universal is the parent company, whatever. Right. Corporate. corporate All that corporate stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They just get in the way, don't they? In my case, they kind of did. Yeah. I mean, geez. <laughs> I never met Edgar years Bronfman of... Jr., but if I do, I'm going to be like, geez, dude. And by the way, Seagram's taste horrible. No, I like Seagram. I actually do too as well. But <laughs> my point is I can try yeah. and get back at the guys, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, well, um, well, thank you for sharing It Takes oh, Two, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. And uh, very cool song. Um, well, and every so everyone loves a good origin story, I feel. So how did you find your way to the piano? I mean, like, uh, Oh, like, you know, that's being... a good question. Um, I started like most, you know, Upper West Side intellectual uh, Jewish kids um, with piano lessons, you know. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I started uh, when I was seven. So we're talking like 1966. And um, I took piano lessons um, privately, and then I started going to Manhattan School of Music prepar Preparatory Division. 
uh, when I was like 10. So you're attracted at that point, huh? Yeah. Your parents and I was, saw something and you're like, he likes this. Uh, I, I liked it. I yeah, really did yeah. like it. You know, I really liked it a lot. And then uh, I was a classical kid until um, I moved to the suburbs in the 70s. And then I started playing in a rock band with Edge with uh, uh, my friend Bob Wimbiel, another Inwood uh, Arts yep. uh, on the podcast. alumni. Yes. yes. And uh, then I started getting into rock music, and then in like 74, 75, then it was kind of jazz rock was coming in. So either it was like jazz rock or new age, and, or punk, really. And I went towards jazz rock. Um, and uh, yeah, and then so I was doing that. It's You know, the second album, the second song I think you're going to play is from my album, uh, album number four, trying to put the things together that never been together before. And that's kind of my whole situation. I'm trying to put these different influences that, you know, I, you know, I have into what I consider, you know, a, a, a format, which is, uh, uh, repeatable and, um, memorable and, uh, listenable and yeah that's so that's that's kind of the brief thing of my project i think i love all that and it sounds like you got a lot of um i mean the words eclectic tastes uh, that that, that, that are coming together i mean you know that interesting time in the 70s um you know the the Said melding the classical and also you know there's the, the prog rock movement as well you had a lot of things going on at that time there's so much the punk, new wave and you know obviously obviously the jazz stuff uh, was yeah huge, a very interesting time you know i mean in i'm biased obviously but in my opinion you know the 70s were just an amazingly golden time for music um you know with you know you still coming out of the beatles and Bob sure. dylan and then, as you say, you know, prog rock. And although I wasn't really into prog rock that much at the time, but, um, you know, just so much rich, wonderful stuff. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, that obviously influenced all of us who grew up in that time. Yeah. And when did you start composing? Uh, pretty young. I mean, I remember, mm, I think the first composition I did when it was, it was like I wrote, wrote it out when I was around 11, I think. So or actually earlier than that, now that I think about it, I think when I was like 10 or nine or 10. Yeah. Wow. It's like, yeah. like, like, like writing music because like, you read music. So you're like, I can write music then. Yes. That's pretty cool. Exactly. For a 10 year old to do. Yeah. I was a, I was a nerd. Yes. <laughs> but it made sense to you. It's all that mattered. Whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? It seemed it's like a like, good idea at the time. Well, sure. I mean, yes. it, it, well, t- the 10-year-old yourself was probably like, I'm sure Johnny upstairs is doing the same thing. You know? <laughs> he may, And he might have been. He might Upper have been. Upper West Side. Come on. I'm Upper just saying. West Side. We lived in an interesting building. He probably was doing the same thing. <laughs> Well, but, but that's, but I was curious though, like, you know, that's because your classical training and the Manhattan school prep, uh, you know, all right. lined up, like you had like this, you had a systems in place. Like you had like a lot of people who grew up listening to music and compose, you know, sometimes to them, they hear it in their head or something and starts with an idea yeah, uh, and they kind of a different way of going about things. And like you had this background, you had like a, you know, you had, you had, foundations yeah that a lot of i mean probably don't have. i i think that like the whole thing about foundations is a mixed bag in a way um i, I for me it's great uh and i really appreciate it and i feel like i'm always i, I mean i 
practice. Practicing is my thing. So I, I really love to practice and learn, and I feel like I'm always getting better. Um, but it's not the only way, you know. And, um, you know, talking about the Beatles, for example, um, and, uh, you know, people, there are people who don't, Elvis Costello, uh, uh, you know, you know, who don't read music and they find their way. And you could even make an argument that it can be an inhibiting factor, like knowing too much, I think. Um, so, but for me, yeah, it's, that's, that's, that's the way I went. So. And yeah. actually it's funny you said that at the end there about, you know, being too much or, you know, inhibiting. Yeah. it's like, I know a lot of people who are, they feel trapped and they try to, uh, find their way through, I'm making a, uh, Improv, you know, some kind of improvisation or something like that, like trying to unlearn what they've learned yes, uh, a little exactly. bit to, to, to be able to be um, more present in exactly. the music. Exactly. And, you know, to that end, you know, one of the things that I got into um, when I went to college was free improvisation. And so, you know, I was doing classical music, then, you know, jazz rock. Then I went to composition, it's a school for composition at Indiana University. Bloomington, and I got hello Hoosiers. Bloomington, yes. hello Hoosiers, exactly. Um, and uh, so I was studying composition, but also I was really involved in free improvisation at the same time, you know. Um, and so... Bringing together that, like you were mentioning, the present element to uh, like an aliveness, which yeah. is there in free improvisation. And as much as I love, uh, you know, free jazz and free improv, you know, it doesn't have the repeatability factor. Because yeah. I, you know, I also like I, we were talking about I grew up with the Beatles and Dylan, you know, so to have something which both has that element of presence and vitality and immediacy. Um, and then bringing that to a short form, like a three minute song, um, you know, has always been like, you know, that's what I'm really interested in trying to do, you know. Yeah. And you have, and you, the, here's the interesting thing, I think, too. And, we, you know, a friend of mine just saw Bob Dylan this summer, uh, yeah. oddly enough, in Indianapolis yeah. um, with Mellencamp and everybody. And, yeah. you know, Dylan has been playing these songs for 50 years. But yes. it, there's these same three minute songs, though, are almost unrecognizable to some people um and yet it's still it ain't me babe you know what i mean it's 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 he finds a way of the arrangements um and going back to saying it's his way of being present in the work oh. because you have five albums worth of yeah. material oh, that you're like it or not chained to for the rest of your life and yeah. uh and and people who like you said great reviews and want to hear some of these songs and like you want to figure like you want to honor that yes. and then you also have to be good to yourself right yes well in in uh in my like it takes two there is room for improvisation within yeah. the song so there is that element of you're able you know i'm able to bring and then i i think the next song you're going to play also there's plenty of room for sure. improvisation in yeah it. so there's that you know i bring that and you know with dylan who's, um, you know, I think about probably too much, um, you know. Uh, I, <laughs> I won't tell read, him you said that, okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, uh, I just read that in his first recording session, uh, um, uh, John Hammond wanted him to do a second, you know, to do another take, and he was like, oh, I, don't, I really would rather not do that. I think that would be a terrible thing to do it twice in a row, you know. So there you go. There it is. That's yeah. right. That's how yeah. it was then, and it was captured, and there it is. Exactly. Unfortunately, it, Oh, it's other people's projections onto him saying, oh, that's the song. He's like, no, no, no. The song is when I well, play he, it. Well, he know? did. He did. I mean, in those days, he was, you know, when he played it, Ain't right. Babe, he was playing it the same way. Right. But it's just over time, you know, yes. he was mo moving so fast. And, you know, 
I once saw Fela Kuti. I don't know if you sure. I, and I saw the Broadway show based off of his life okay, too. Okay, there you go, which is fantastic. And uh, people are shouting out albums for Fela. You know, shouting out tunes for Fela to play. So you want to hear that song? Yeah, yeah. Buy the motherfucking record. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, oh, there you sorry go. About that. I hope, I hope well, that's that okay. Yeah. It wasn't you. It was Fela talking. Yeah, it was Fela. Yeah, I gotcha. Exactly. Um, so when did so you? Obviously, you said you've been well on your way, and you know, for that ten-year-old to moving, you know, you hopped around. Um, when did you say to yourself, I can? And you went to IU, obviously. And uh, by the way, great music school has a great music library there. Yes, Howie Carmichael's collections there. I mean, there's a lot of the big statue of him there, out yeah. there, and yeah, uh, you know. Um, so tip of the hat to IU. Yeah. Um, uh, when did you, after leaving IU and obviously probably playing out and meeting great folks like Bob, um, right. did you say, hey, I can do this as a vocation? Well, that's a big question. Vocation. Yeah, I mean, like, 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 like to pursue. Like, well, I, I, and everybody has side gigs. Everybody has hustle, you know, but it's like, yes. you know, like to walk that path, that's a big decision. It's a big decision. I, I guess I really never really thought twice about it at the time. Certainly I did over the years and uh you know and i've actually recently become a social worker um i went back to school uh five years ago and became a social worker and now i'm a psychotherapist as well so there's a lot of stuff that you know is an interesting i think uh thing about the mixture of vocation and how people do pursue their art you know that's a, a big topic um for me at the time i was like no i'm gonna do this and i did uh you know like you say i had side gigs to make a living and um you know uh i just started playing a lot of different places and then in 1987 i think roger peltzman who was a producer, fledgling producer, heard me perform a song called Carolyn, and he said, I want to make an album with you, and that's sort of how things happened. Yeah. Wow, how great is that? Like, I think that's, well, I interview a lot of people, Yeah. and more often than not, there's less of those A&R people out there. We'll call, we'll call them A&R because they're usually from a company, yeah. but even more rare for independent people to say, I want to take you on and I want to champion you in some way to, to put you forward. Right. I mean, in my case, very I'm, cool. I'm, I'm very, uh, you know, it, I, I don't fit into a box, yeah. you know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so uh, it's very important to have one or two people who really get what you're doing and really care about it. And, and, and just having that one person can make a tremendous difference. You need an advocate. You definitely need oh, yeah. Or, yeah. or two. Exactly. Or two. Yeah. Two helps. Yeah. Well, yeah, fast forward to today. Yeah. You've helped. Um, I like to think that, you know, you said you've taken on these new roles as social worker and psychotherapist. Yeah. How has that informed your work and your music and your playing? Well, uh, you're in 2024 of all places. Right. 2024 in the future. We're in the future now. Yes. Wow. And uh, I, mean, I feel like we're all, yeah, we we're should be, future. we should all be our, you know, the Jetsons <laughs> should be our neighbors. It should be. But, uh, but I just feel like there's, uh, you know, you're beginning, we're in January here, 2024. Yeah. Start eight, 2024. And, uh, yeah. you know, like how, like, where, well, like, I don't know how it's <laughs> affected the music so much. I mean, it's affected my life. Certainly. Yeah. Um, it's a, just been a wonderful journey. And, um, uh, 
you know, with that, the work that I'm doing and the people, and also it's outward looking towards other people. Mm -hmm. I think that's the main thing. It's like being in, I'm very much involved now in other people's lives, uh, in social work, it's a certain population. And then in psychotherapy, it's a different thing. So there's just, um, a very nourishing aspect. I mean, I can be draining too, I guess, but it's very nourishing in that way in that you're really outward looking and helping people uh, to be trite. But it's not, you, you really are, you know, so that's 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 great. The music part, I don't know how it's affected it. I mean, I still practice all the time and I, I practice my Bach and my jazz and my North Indian vocal singing and I write a song a week and you know Nusrat Falia Khan maybe or anything else I studied with uh, Falu I don't know if you know Falu she's a but she studied with um, one of the Khans um, and uh, I studied with her for a bit so I do those exercises every day very cool yeah yeah well that, that, that tells our listeners right there there's three different very <laughs> it's a mix mixed up very cool styles that you're but you know what it informs what you're doing and uh do you have a project on the front burner um Some new I, tunes or anything i mean i'm wrote my major project now songwriting wise I'm, I'm writing a song a week and that has uh that's my major project and we'll see where it leads on uh, my last album dr future came out in 2023 so that's a pretty recent album mm-hmm. so um we'll see where yeah we'll see where this these where this new stuff leads has the know? neighborhood inspired you at all in the neighborhood the um, water the geography the people it's a great question uh you know i like to say i moved from uh williamsburg which is the land of hipsters to riverdale which is the land of broken hipsters you know <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, people with their yes. you know, nice, nice rides, nice walkers. Yes, um, it's like uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. Might get hit by somebody <laughs> on a roving cart. It's great. We love it. We love it. Uh, it's been a great place for our kids. Public schools are great, and we love our building. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I, I just think uh, how has it inspired me? We have a we we moved from a very small apartment uh, under five hundred square feet uh, for two of us, two children, and two cats and a piano. And I lived there for 27 years, and now we have a nice uh, three-bedroom apartment in Riverdale. So it's, it's, it's inspired me in that my piano is right by the window, and I can look out over to you guys right across the spite and dival creek yeah and um and while i'm playing the piano so in that sense it's very inspiring and uh you know just as far as just a shout out to this neighborhood it's a lovely place to live i we find it a lovely place to live and uh there's a sense of calmness i'm sure you feel it too once you when you're driving on the West Side Highway, and you get past a certain point, you you just feel yourself just, oh. Absolutely. Once you yeah. pass the GW Bridge, it feels like it, you, uh, you're, you're Your temperature directly. Yeah, you're, really. It, yeah, it's something. Yeah. Totally it's agree great. with you. And I had just, I were, I like you, we gig downtown for certain things. And yeah. uh, I had to explain to people, yeah, about Uptown. And they like many of them still have never been above 110th Absolutely. Street, which is Fine by me. Yeah, keep them away. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> keep them away. We'll yeah. we'll keep it to ourselves as exactly. much as possible, except for those of you listening here today. So what yes. can you, what can you say? Yes. Um, well, I think this is a good point to. Um, we've talked about it a couple times. Let's share another tune uh, with our listening audience. So uh, will you introduce it, please? Well, this is called "Subtle Flagellating Pulse Baby in a Christian Fabric Memory Dress." <laughs> 
I think he stole it from King Crimson somewhere. I'm pretty uh, sure. So. It sounds like a King Crimson title. You know, it, or, uh, or Guided by Voices, one of the two. It might be. Uh, well, let's hear <laughs> it's a, it. It's, a, it's, it's a lovely... T- I love the title. Let's Thank go to the song.
I'm supposed to laugh with the flanks of the four ships in Donald's bed of crying like broken homunculi. I think it was very much uh, appropriate name for that for that song. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, I don't think there could be another name for it. Um, that song is, uh, you know, a, lo- a lot of, uh, you know, there's that famous question like, well, what comes first, the the words or the music? And Richard Rogers said the check, you know, which is a good answer, I yeah. think, you know. But um, <laughs> for me, um, it com- the words tend to come well i don't know they they come at the same time i do a lot of automatic writing though you know kind of surrealist just whatever comes out and i little think free, little stream of consciousness stream of consciousness yeah. yes yes so i think that those lyrics probably came out of just you know notebooks filled with stuff and i'm looking back oh subtle flagellating pulse baby in a christian <laughs> fabric memory dust that sounds kind of interesting almost <laughs> sounds like an insult <laughs> It could be, I guess so. It, 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 like, yeah. And I was gonna say Shakespearean, but I don't think. It no, is I don't think no. it scans. No, maybe Alexandrian. I don't maybe, know. Maybe, we'll, maybe, we'll, I don't we'll, know. We'll have to see the, yeah. the, uh, the feet. One of your listeners, the weak, will, strong. One of know. your listeners will let us know. Yes, I'm sure. But it, but, uh, it, but it does sound poetic. Yes, and and we were talking about improvisation, and you know, I think that that um, at least. Part of my feeling of, uh, you know, the, the uh, electric work of Miles Davis, you know, where you have like a, a, um, a long period of a beat and uh, a groove, well, a groove and uh, something harmonic going on, but then layered on top of that, some other stuff. And yeah. so I think that that's what, uh, you know, probably I was thinking about when we were recording that yeah super cool yeah well before we let go of you and to your go out and experience the 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 pastoral here of inwood hill <laughs> park um do you have any advice for up-and-coming composers and players who have varied interests like yourself trying to get their work out there? um it's a great question i would say you know really be you know people have said it before but it's true be be true to yourself um, I, I just read the monk said uh, a genius is somebody who's most like himself. Thelonious monk or a monk? Mo- Thelonious monk. <laughs> Thelonious monk. The monk himself. 
Yeah. So yeah. I think there's something about that, just being yourself. Um, and as far as, uh, you know, advice, career advice, I, you know, boy, I don't know. It's everybody has a different path and yeah. um, you never also know where things are going to lead. Um, so um, uh, I would just say good luck, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Lee, where can we send people online to find out more about your work? Uh, LeeFeldman.com. Okay. LeeFeldman.com. And all my music is on Spotify and iTunes cool. and YouTube and all of that. Yeah. So, folks, you got your marching orders. Head to Yon Spotify and, uh, and check them out. All right? Lee, once again, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Aaron. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely yeah. has been. Looking yeah, forward to more good times ahead. Yep. Uh, thanks to Lee Feldman for joining me on this Artist Spotlight episode of In What Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan and Northwest Bronx. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcast. Five stars. It really does help. Many thanks to the Church of Good Shepherd for hosting us and to HideSites.com for uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation to inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate or via Venmo. Be sure to follow us on social media to keep up all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. Inwood Artworks On Air is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. Inwood Artworks programming is made possible by the New York State Council on the Arts with the support of the Office of the Governor and the New York State Legislature. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air. <laughs>